Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. Tonight, Joe Biden is addressing Congress for the first time as president. Viewers can expect a long rambling speech with lies, fear mongering and misinformation. That is, if the Republicans have followed their former president's examples in their response speech. This morning, federal agents executed a search warrant at the New York apartment of former Trump lawyer and two-time 2021 Razzie Award winner Rudy Giuliani. Hopefully for Trump, the feds were able to find all of that election fraud evidence Rudy claims to have. Presidential hopeful Liz Cheney said that denying the results of the 2020 election should disqualify some Republicans from running for office for president. Hmm, all of that sounded good, except for the word some. Joe Rogan is under fire for telling healthy young people not to get the COVID-19 vaccine. This advice is dangerous, mostly because it puts Joe Rogan right behind Trump as a leading candidate for the GOP's next presidential nomination. Chadwick Bozeman's brother Derek released a statement on behalf of the Bozeman family saying that Chadwick was not snubbed in his best actor loss on Sunday to Anthony Hopkins. Thank goodness he cleared that up because those people in Portland will riot over just about anything these days. Nikita Dragon, a member of TikTok's Hype House, clapped back at people criticizing Netflix for giving the house a reality show by saying in a TikTok video that, quote, you can't get mad at people for winning and succeeding. And if you do, you're literally just a hater. This will prove to be her least viewed clip since she neither uses someone else's music in the video nor steals anyone else's dance moves. Rocker Pete Frampton, famous for his blockbuster 1970s album Frampton Comes Alive, posted a video of himself getting vaccinated, which is most likely to tie in to his upcoming sequel album, Frampton Stays Alive. Fox has announced a new TV sequel to the Flintstones called Bedrock. Say what you will about the people at Fox, but they do love airing programs about the way life used to be. Willow Smith revealed that she is polyamorous in the, the latest episode of Red Table Talk. Despite this, she claims to have had the least sex among her friends group. Being in open relationships but having the least sex? Sounds like she takes after her dad, Will. For the first time ever, Citizen Kane lost his 100% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes after the service included a negative review of the film from 80 years ago. This is encouraging news for every Adam Sandler film, hoping for Rotten Tomatoes to dig up at least one positive review sometime in the next eight decades. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Ayello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Daily crew. Um, let's go around and say, say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to our TMI Daily podcast. Let's start with you, Pete. Well, I, I think I can speak on behalf of everybody. I'm happy to see Carrie, who's back. Hi, Carrie. Hey, good to see everybody. <laughs> Hi, everyone listening on Google Podcasts. A very happy National Superhero Day. Veronica's going to tell you about our guest in a second, but it kind of fits the day. Also, it's National Blueberry Pie Day, and it's also the premiere of season four of Handmaid Tale. So after this show, 
you can't call me. All right. They dropped three episodes today, so you can't call because that's what I'm going to be watching under his eye. That's right, Joe. I just finished the first one. I'm a little upset with Netflix because of what we're going to be talking about today, but I'm very happy for Hulu. And thank you, Hulu, for dropping those three episodes. Um, Danny. Hello, everybody. Today's also World Day for Safety and Health at Work. And you know how you can do that? Get vaccinated. Don't listen to Joe Rogan. You didn't say it. Yes, it's yet. You did not say it. Danny, Danny, since everyone, since everyone's working from home, should we just like make sure we keep the floor clean, don't have any Legos in the ground, stuff like that? <laughs> that, too. <laughs> that too. Elizabeth? Hi, Joe Rogan is trash. Don't listen to him about anything. Oh Joe Rogan is goop for men. It's goop for men. <laughs> Joe's 100% right. Joe Rogan is goop for men. <laughs> like, I'm going to listen to some roided out weirdo who watched people eat buffalo testicles. Come on. Yeah, I'll never understand the appeal that this guy has. I mean, he has... All many fans. Why, why we lost the seat in the house because everybody from California moved to Texas because I don't know it's a fucking wild west. Don't take yeah. don't take medical advice from a guy that hosted Fear Factor. I told people that they I'm had to hear what, your 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 balls. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting to hear what Conor McGregor says about the <laughs> pandemic first before I do anything. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Conor McGregor talks with his fist. <laughs> Ian. Oh, uh, I have prepared a statement. Uh, my name is Ian Shulka. I am of sound mind and body. Contrary to reports, I am not being held captive by Peter and Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't blink. Oh, so that's good, right? You're not blinking. So. Oh, no. No, no, I, think really does, I think he really does want to stay here all the time because every time he leaves, we give him like the third degree. As he's walking out the door, and then when he comes back, so leaving. Oh my god, they were so on me last night. Oh my god, where have you been? Home late, and I said, or if he does not come home by ten o'clock, we're gonna have a problem here. So we're gonna have to call the police. (laughs) Don't worry though, because Stockholm syndrome should start setting in about Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) We're all very, very serious here. It's so weird that like uh, Ian is now you guys is like little child because he does look like a baby with a mustache. So it's actually kind of <laughs> it's great. You guys have a kid now. It's the now, now people can leave you alone about having kids because you got one now. Yeah, Ian. Yeah, and, and you know what? You did it. Through, I'm older than Veronica. You adopted a white baby. That is a very Hollywood <laughs> way of <laughs> being parents. So you're good. You're, you're and a used baby all, too. I mean, it's not like I'm. All the marks. I'm not a fresh baby. This one's been through a bunch of shit. It doesn't matter. It's out for the key, all right? If I have to say, he's a very good baby because he's very responsible, he's helpful, and he's very independent. So, sound like a baby. <laughs> baby from heaven. And I clean up my own boom booms. Gary, in case you didn't know, Ian's living with us right now. <laughs> yeah. I I figured. I yeah. I knew you were looking for a roommate, and I'm and I'm glad to see that that you found a great place. To <laughs> I can't think. I actually can't think of a better place to stay. I mean, the dogs and the pool, and these guys are Peter and Veronica are so great. You guys are gonna have fun. I'm jealous. Maybe I can come and stay. I'm pretty lucky. We watch the Farming Channel every night. It's pretty. <laughs> we watch and, and Fat Joe and the Fat Joe show. And I think Ian's seeing a different side of us too. <laughs> you always do when you live with someone. 
that. <laughs> yeah, he walks in and we're just sitting there watching the farming channel for no apparent reason. It's and it wasn't great. like I hit the remote two seconds before he walked in. Yeah. No explanation needed. Just and no. he, he might have heard me say the C word one or two times. I don't know, but we'll just leave it at that too. He has also figured out that Peter sleepwalks, so <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> so later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Michael Holmes. He hosts the podcast Superhero Politics. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Okay, so let's start tonight's show. Last year, during the height of the COVID crisis, one of the few bright spots was finding out in September that this year would see the very last episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. After 20 seasons and nearly 270 episodes, the show that proved that oversharing could make you rich is finally coming to an end. Hmm, so we thought. That's why when Netflix announced a new reality show centered around the inhabitants of the infamous TikTok hype house here in Los Angeles, the hashtag cancel Netflix began trending. Tonight, we thought we would look at the end of the Kardashian era and the fear Netflix viewers have that with the introduction of this new show, we might be entering a whole new time of toxic vapidness on American television. So Keeping Up with the Kardashians has been on the air since October 14, 2007, and has since produced 268 episodes, five special, two Kim marriages, about four Chloe facelifts, give or take, five spin-off series, and thousands of collagen lip injections. And we forgot to add the butt injections, too. So have alleged any- butt injection. Yeah, a lot of legit. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the video with her and Ray J. Her ass was not that big in that video. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> By the way, I know you were praising Hulu earlier, and I do love Hulu, but just so you know, they ended their deal with E. They all have contracts with Hulu. You yeah. know that, right? Okay, we're going to talk about that. Okay, just, just making yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really excited today because of Handmaid's. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Hulu later. <laughs> So have any of okay, so I want to start first by asking anybody here on the panel, have any of you been a regular watcher of any of the Kardashian uh, shows? And if so, why and when did you stop watching? So I mean, I'm going to start by saying I think I've seen in total, maybe about two minutes. It was on one time I was, you know, channel surfing, it came on and I watched like two minutes of it and I couldn't watch anymore. Um, Chris. All right, so uh, I was for a little while. I did used to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians because uh, when I was deployed, for some reason, my squad, we all started watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians because somebody got it, like, burned on DVD and somebody else watched it, and we decided to watch it as together. And then for, like, a good two years after I came back home, I was still watching it, but I gave up uh, just because I, I guess I just lost track or just lost interest or I don't know which what it was. I just stopped. But uh, I don't know. It's shows like this, though, like for even though they're absolutely disgusting, we kind of low key need them because it's one of those shows that when we watch them, we can feel better about ourselves because we're not that. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like a love to hate situation. It's like that friend in the friend group that like nobody really likes, but they keep, we keep around because we all get to talk shit about that person and it makes us all feel better. Okay, that that's a pretty interesting point. Okay, um, Joe, and then Elizabeth. And she said spinoffs. Since so she said spinoffs, does the uh, trial of OJ Simpson count? 
No. Yes. Oh, okay. Then, a, no, I haven't watched that's it. A that's a prequel. That's a prequel, though. That is a prequel, but that's why I asked, because yeah. it's kind of a spinoff. Well, technically, Keeping Up With The Kardashians is a spinoff, because the OJ yeah. Trippin trial Yeah, but original. I was just asking. Okay. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I've seen maybe a handful of episodes. I probably know it best through uh, watching The Soup, when it was they were both kind of at their heights. That's the most exposure I actually got from The Kardashians. Uh, it was via... Jill McHale, thank God. So it's sort of like a def- you know a filter. <laughs> yeah. By the way, for people who hate the Kardashians, we talk about them on this show an awful lot. I'm just saying. Well, they are a big part of pop people culture. You love them. I know. That's all. I know. And, and they always intersect with whatever else is happening. They're so taking up space rent free. Is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You, love you know, that. show or sh- show or no show, they will always be a part of the pop culture yeah. landscape. I think they have asserted themselves and they have carved out that space for themselves, not just the other show, the social media, and then all the other uh, projects that are going to come from that. So even though the show is ending, the, the official show that started it all, this is not the last we're hearing from the Kardashians. And I think, it's, I think it's fine because I agree with you guys. It's like, we all, it's like, we all love to hate them and love to talk about them and just kind of see what they're doing and, yeah um and like we had mentioned earlier elizabeth had mentioned earlier they did um strike up a deal with hulu um Mm -hmm. do you know what do you know any of the details elizabeth about the? uh it's i think just for different streaming opportunities um nothing so uh, nothing so specific as like another reality show and i think it's like individually with all of them so they're all going to do different things because as things have progressed over time like they for you know basically have shown different interests chloe kind of does like fitness stuff from time to time uh courtney's very into her lifestyle like poosh goop thing (laughs) (laughs) it sounds so gross so i said those two together (laughs) like individual yeah and so like yeah, so I think they're going to pursue individual things. You know, you if know you there's want to... a show ready to go called Running for the Golden State. Come, that, that they're ready as soon as, as the uh, recall election gets started. So, no, with Caitlin. <laughs> well, you no, know just, that that's coming. If anybody wants to vomit in their mouth, um, when, when Hulu made the announcement, one of the executives at Hulu said, I'd be really interested in seeing a series about Kim's burgeoning law career. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. That's what that's oh, the thing so what I yes, forgot was the that's what we need to see. I'm not Kim, Kim has I'm taken not, like a, some kind of version of the bar. She, it's, I, think, I kept hearing it referred to as baby bar. And I baby don't bars? Know, I don't know what Lil bar? Is, what, maybe she just fucked somebody in Lil bar. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what that means. With I want to just wait. I'm sorry. What what rich person gets bored and says, "I'm going to become a lawyer"? The one got married. To you can do Kanye. anything you want. I'm bored and I want to become the president. That kind of rich person. She got married mm-hmm. to Kanye and was looking for. I think we've got a lot that I want to cover before the guest yeah. comes on. So, um, yeah. So for anyone who thought that the Kardashians um were going to disappear, yeah, right. <laughs> Where have you been living? Um, okay, so it is a valid, valid argument to make that without Kim and her family, we would not have seen the meteoric rise of the social media influencer, which now brings us to the current Netflix controversy surrounding their newly announced reality show based on the TikTok hype house. Who wants to talk about the hip hop, the, sorry, the TikTok hype house and how living there works? Pete, 
start with you. Okay, well, from my understanding, and that's very limited, um, it was started by three or four, uh, depending on the lawsuit, um, on, on what the lawsuit says, um, people that were all TikTok creators. The reason why I say that is because um, three of them say only three of them created it, and a fourth one is suing all three of them because she said she put up most of the money to do this. Um, and, and so... It was started by four of them, and what the decision was, they were going to bring in as many of these people into the house at the same time. They charged them $900 per person for rent, but they none of them actually pay the rent because oh. their sponsors actually pay for all of it. And so all that's they so do, reasonable in LA. Yeah. <laughs> and all they basically have to do, um, it's by the way, the house is in, in Encino. Um, it's, it's a nice house. I, I, look, I saw a bunch of pictures of it. It's, it's a very nice house, and it's definitely a house nicer than any of the ones that they would probably be in if they weren't making videos of of themselves dancing and doing stupid shit. Um, but yeah, they, their only job essentially is to do videos all day. And, um, and so that's more or less what the house is. Okay. So last week that Netflix announced that they began production on an unscripted reality series, which would focus on the lives of the TikTok content creators who live in this house that Pete just mentioned the hype house. So this brought almost immediate backlash to the streaming giant. What what's the controversy with this? Why is this controversial? Oh, I don't know, but I just wanted to say this is not that far fetched from you know, say the real world. Even like back in the day, the first real world, which has a reunion show on Paramount Plus now, which I mm-hmm. caught a few episodes of. It's interesting, but I mean, you know, between the real world and Big Brother, when you're filming people really sitting around doing nothing except eating and gossiping and fighting and whatever, yeah. at least this is a bunch of people sitting around. Actually, I mean. Not that, like, I think creating content all day is the greatest thing to be doing either, but at least they're doing something. At least that that's just part of the drama. Like, every format has its own its own situation. No, and I agree with that, Carrie, with what you said, but I think there's more to that because okay. of what they're doing. Can anybody fill us in? Pete, go ahead. Yeah, again, I'm only, I'm only knowledgeable about this because of all the stuff I read today. Um, the problem that people seem to have with it is that this is a group of tweens to to 20 year olds because by the 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 two of the two of the people that are part of the show are both seven just turned 17 uh and they're living in this house one of them's been living there since he just turned 16 um but they're they're between the ages of 17 and 23 and between the group of them they have close to like 60 million um people that that look at all their different videos and you know, controversies that have, that have surrounded them over the past year. Um, twice they were, they, they were admonished for having um, large scale gatherings inside the house uh, with unmasked people during the pandemic. Once was in July of last year. The other one was in, in January of this year. Um, there's, there's one member of the house who's a trans, um, she's a, she's a Mexican Vietnamese trans woman um, who, who occasionally asks her fans what race she should say she is today. Um, there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of just questionable behavior that they have on on um, on all the videos that they do now, and this is without them actually having a larger platform like Netflix. And then what, then where it really kind of gets scary, like like I know what Carrie said about the real world and about Big Brother, they, they those skew to much older audiences. The average age of people that that look at TikTok is between 11 and 13 years old. 
Um, that's so you're not talking about like a, a, a 30 year old who's watching Big Brother or somebody like me who's been watching the real world reunion on Paramount Plus. You're talking about people that are incredibly impressionable watching people that don't care. And that's and that seems to be what the problem is with what with what uh, people are saying, you know, in this whole cancel Netflix movement. Elizabeth. Well, they were already watching it on TikTok. It doesn't it's probably it what I find sort of I get the like, oh, cancel Netflix, you know, people are gonna be reactionary. The whole way the younger generation consumes media is shifting hugely. I just read a study, their number one choice of entertainment is video games, then like stuff on your phone, and like further down the list is TV and movies. So I actually wonder if a TV show of these TikTok stars will do much of anything because that's not how the bulk of the generation, uh, the their theoretical viewing audience chooses to watch them is this sort of traditional format. They're going to, I think, mostly stick with the phone. And that's obviously its own separate issue with what they're promoting and doing in that sense. But I think it's, you know, an older audience watches Netflix and they're, I don't know how well it will do unless people are just like, I want a train wreck kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but, but you, you know, by saying that, it's it's kind of like if, if we go back 16 years ago and somebody said to us, well, do you think that, that one day the girl who did the sex tape with with, uh, with Brandy's brother is going to be worth a billion dollars? Most of us would have said no, because because yeah. we weren't we weren't probably looking at this from the standpoint of how quickly this stuff ramps up when given bigger platforms. And 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 the thing is, there wasn't even really social media for the Kardashians to create the empire they have. These kids already have it. And but they've tried to make other. TikTok or like or not TikTok stars so much, but YouTube stars into TV stars, and it has not really worked. Very few TV YouTube stars, which is like the precedent, or yeah, I guess the precedent for this. I don't can't think or name of one that has made a true leap from YouTube to television, which is theoretically the bigger platform. But we all know television audiences are dwindling in huge, huge, huge numbers, even with streaming. So I. Yeah, like based on what you were saying, Elizabeth, you know, it makes me wonder too about, you know, young kids watching Netflix. I mean, obviously, you know, they're watching it through their parents' accounts and whatnot. But like these TikTokers, they pretty much put their whole life on Instagram, for instance. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are they going to get from that show versus yeah. that on a daily basis? Um, you can't so- comment. You can't <laughs> like on in, on Net- you can't comment and like on Netflix. There's so there's no engagement there. So that yeah. huge. There's real. There's not in a lot of ways, a huge benefit for them to go to Netflix other than a paycheck, obviously, duh. But then, you know, Netflix also very quickly cancels things that don't perform and after only a certain amount of time. So even if if it's not going to bring them new viewership, basically, they cancel the show. So that's why a lot of your favorite oh, Netflix shows... she said she was going to have us be walking into a vagina. And I thought she was joking. So that, I feel like that's going to be the case. There's going to be a new search. Everyone would be like, oh, I'm going to damn TikTok kids and they're damn TikTok. And then the second season will roll around, no one will care. And they'll just get canceled. And then they'll move on to do another shit. So let me tell you guys a little bit about some of these people that live in this house. So first we have uh, Chase Hudson, who goes by the name Lil Huddy, and he's oh a co-founder of Hype House. He's 18 years old and has 30.2 million TikTok fans. 
he is estimated to make between $55,000 and $100,000 a month. Then we have Thomas Petro, is another co-founder of Hype House. He's 22 years old and has 8.1 million followers. It was reportedly his idea to combine TikTok creators into the Hype House. He is currently in a lawsuit with a former member who wants credit as co-founder. He was also named in a legal complaint because a teen girl claims that she and her friends engaged in sex acts with members of the Hype House and that Petro knowingly allowed it. Next, we have Nikita Dragon. She's a 25-year-old Vietnamese Mexican trans woman with 13.5 million TikTok followers. She has been involved in a few significant controversies, including darkening her image for an ad campaign, asking her fans last October what race she should be that day, and for throwing herself an elaborate uh, packed birthday party in January during the height of the COVID outbreak in which she entered the party through an inflatable vagina. Never in a million years did I ever think I would say the words inflatable and vagina in the same sentence. You got lucky. And we have it on the screen right now for anybody. Uh, to see. Lady, somewhere Lady Gaga is thinking, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, I am 10 years too late. God damn it. Then we have Larry Merritt, a 22-year-old with... Larry, sorry. Larry Merritt. I don't know who any of these people are. Uh, is 22 years old with 23.6 million TikTok followers. It was his packed birthday party at the Hype House last July which was the first major backlash against the house. We also have Sienna Mae Gomez. She's 17 and not an official member of the house, but will be included in the Netflix show. She has 15 million fans on TikTok. We have Alex Warren, 20 years old, and one of the founders of the Hype House. He told Forbes magazine that he has been working towards being an internet star since he was 11 years old. He has 14.2 million fans. Then we have Cover, is it Cover? Cover on Anon, and that's Alex Warren's twenty-year-old girlfriend. That's it, a girlfriend with thirteen point five million fans of her own. And finally, we have Jack Wright. He is the final member of the cast, and he's seventeen years old. He has been a member of the Hype House since it first opened in December two thousand nineteen, which means he moved in when he was only sixteen, and he has eight point three million fans. So the fear being expressed by those who are calling on Netflix to cancel the series is based on the white influence these people already have over young people like we've been talking about and the careless way in which they go about using their influence. So I guess the last thing I want to talk to talk to you guys about is, do you think that a show like this could be damaging for younger people? People, My gosh, I can't speak today. Sorry. Or, it, oh, I'm saying, okay, first let's answer that question first. Sorry, I'm all over the place today. Is it damaging to young people? Let's start there, Chris. No, because the only thing that's going to damage these children is their parents not being fucking parents and telling them what's wrong, or what's right, and actually being in their exactly. Life. That's the problem with all this shit today, where you talk about influence and stuff like that. Like, yes, you can have idols and things. Like, if you're you know an athlete and you look up to somebody who's in the uh, you know MLB, yeah, that makes sense. But like, that doesn't mean you you. Uh, uh, run your whole life trying to be like them, and when you you're a parent and you let your kid do do that instead of like actually being there to raise your kid, it's kind of on you. So, 
shit like this has been around since forever. I mean, like if that if if this is going to influence kids, YouTube influence kids, everything that's on network television that they watch is going to influence kids. Like it's all an influence. The point of it is is that you are there to to coach them and make sure that they are influenced in the right way. So, do you think Netflix is going to cave into the pressure and cancel? I don't think because everybody's acting like pussies when it comes to shit like this these days. Like, it's a good chance that they probably will, or they could be a savage and be like, "Fuck that! We're a billion dollar company. Kiss my ass. We're going to put it on anyway. Just make sure you put parental locks on." And that's really what they should do. Well, that's what I think they're going to do. In my opinion, that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to care. I'm Elizabeth. Yeah, Netflix absolutely does not care. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is on you as a viewer, viewer discretion advised. It's on you as a viewer to choose whether or not to. And there has been moral panic in every generation about every new thing that has come along. Don't get me wrong. All the things you described, pretty shitty. Not good. You know, obviously things you want to dissuade kids from being into. But they find that shit anyway. But, you know, I the every, like you listed all their... Again, not great things, but also they're kind of vapid and dumb. Well, so was the Brat Pack. So was, like, different stuff before them. There's always something coming up for, frankly, we're the older generation now. And, and now we're, like, scared and confused by the next thing that's coming yeah. our so way. Right, how's the party inside? Is it fun? No, no, like, it yeah. must be bad. Right. It, looked, it was it's, about eight or nine is what I saw. But, yeah, like you nine, know, maybe. Okay. Well, it's up to parents, as Chris said, to, you know, explain. And I think, you know... I think as things kind of age, it's hard to say it's not a sustainable thing. Like no one's going to watch a 30 year old of the, of those kids do those same dances. And as, and as kids age out of like being super into it for the most part, they find other things that interest them. I think I could be totally wrong. I feel like I've read, yes, the younger generations obsessed with the phone, the TikTok, and like those shorter videos and stuff. And then eventually as they get older, they get into traditional media a little more, not entirely. Uh, it's definitely taking a, a hit regardless. But yeah, this uh, Netflix is not good. Netflix also had the controversy with that little cheerleading movie. I think it was called Cuties. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and people were really like, oh, dear Netflix. Netflix was like, well, crying ourselves to sleep on our giant pile of money. See you later. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think the only reason why there might be a little bit of a difference is because the, the, the audience that this skews to isn't paying for Netflix, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if enough people that are paying for it say, you know, we don't want this. I, I mean, the cuties thing was really a political move. Yeah, um, this is not this is again, this is older people that are saying we just don't want this kind of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. get given even more access. And and I, I mean, if you read like there's a there's a change.org petition up about it. What they're basically people are basically saying is, why are you rewarding a bunch of vapid children that have never done anything in their lives, and and now showing other kids that this is all you have to do in order to make a living? But they, but what they don't ever understand, and I'm not saying these kids are like the hardest workers in the world, but do doing all this content, all the editing and stuff, it requires work, and people don't like the actual amount of work that goes into creating all this content for these platforms is deeply misunderstood. Yeah, I, I, you know. yeah. I want to get to Joe because he's been waiting because our guest is uh, waiting to come Sorry. on. So, go ahead. Um, uh, I, I wanted to point out, but first of all, real quick, Elizabeth said that people won't watch these people dance in the thirties. Yes, they will when they're get, when they're uh, guest stars on uh, Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> um, <clears throat> wasn't Netflix the show that did that? Didn't they do that show where like they put hot people on an island and m- tried to make them have sex with each other? You weren't and supposed. They, they weren't supposed to touch. What? 
Yeah, they weren't supposed yeah, to. Yeah, they weren't supposed to be fucking, but they did. All oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Netflix is that kind of is that kind of network where they'll they'll, they'll whatever sticks to the wall, they'll put on. They're like, and, and, if, <laughs> and it's up to us to decide whether no, we want to watch it or not. So, I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, if nobody watches it, you won't see it again. So that's yeah. all I got to say to you guys. If you don't want to see it, just don't, don't watch, watch it. it. But you know what? What if if it becomes a hit, we're gonna get another season. So there you yeah. go. I'll tell you, they'll cancel it as soon as it stops bringing in. V- exactly. As soon numbers. as the viewership stops coming in, it'll get canceled. That's true. Okay. I just want to close out this segment because our, our guest is waiting. I just want to say something really quick. Um, you know, I just I hate to sound like the old woman here, or like you know, Pete and I talk about this all the time. Like back in our days, we had this. But you know, I was talking to a friend of mine. He's a teacher earlier today about this. And he says to me, you know, I had my students do a write up on someone that they admire. And most of my students used these TikTok people or these reality stars. He's like, and it's really shameful. Like back in the day, we had, you know, actors that we looked up to, you know, you know, we looked at, you know, and now this is what this generation looks up to. And it's sad. It really is sad. But the world is changing. And, you know, this is the world we live in, I guess. This is our society now. And, I think it's too bad, but who's allowing them to watch? That's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm the the same generation. I have the same perspective. It's so strange to me. I I don't like the whole influencer thing at all. Um, I don't think it's something we need to be, you know, that needs to be in our society that people can aspire to being an influencer. Like what kind of society we would live in if all all of our children grew up and wanted to be influencers. But I don't have a problem with it so much if they actually are have, you know, educational content and if they are helping brands sell, helping brands sell products, then okay, maybe they are earning some money. But what I don't like is when people get notoriety and money for just doing stupid things that really don't add any value. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But okay, so let's bring on our guests now. Fans of comic books can tell you that their favorite comics have often been intertwined with politics. With that in mind, our guest tonight, Michael Holmes, created a podcast called Superhero Politics, in which he explores the parallels between the arcs of your favorite comic titles, movies and TV shows, and developments of today's politics. Please welcome Michael to TMI Daily. Hi, Michael. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. How are you? We're doing well. Good. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. So before we actually get into your podcast, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background? Like, did you grow up a big fan of comic books? And where did that start? Absolutely. I'm, I mean, if you can kind of look behind me on the wall here, I mean, and the shirt that I'm wearing, you can tell that I've spent most of my uh, young life and older life uh, in and around comic books. I mean, it's just been a formative part of my uh, development, learning about the, um, the themes of comics justice and truth and uh, doing the right thing, always having, you know, a positive attitude. And so um, that kind of got me uh, thinking about service and how superheroes are often on the front lines sacrificing for uh, people. And uh, that led me to public service. So, um, you know, I started around, started in politics when I was around 15 and uh, 2019, I actually won a seat on city council in my, uh, in my city. So, you know, when I talk about superhero politics, it's actually um, the fusion of two things that I love in my life. So, um, you know, working in politics and working in public service and comic books. And I think, um, you know, finding the parallels between the two has been kind of a labor of love for me. So it's been, you know, pretty interesting to start this podcast. Oh, that's great. So what's your, who's your favorite comic book character and why? 
Uh, well, I mean, if it's if it's not obvious, um, <laughs> <laughs> Superman uh, is he's he's really the first comic book character that I really got into. Um, just kind of his origin, uh, you know, being the last of his race. Uh, well, you know, supposedly the, the last of his race, and you know, stranded here on the uh, on a planet foreign to him, and you know, you know, I guess in a lot of ways he's an undocumented immigrant. So I mean, <laughs> so if you want to th- think about the political themes of it. I mean, that's kind of the first thing. He's you know, an, an, an orphan uh, here on the planet, uh, and he adopted this world to protect, and so. You know, he lives his life in a lot of ways the way um, I think most people uh, believe they should, you know, fighting for those less fortunate and uh, always trying to protect those who need protection. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's wonderful. Um, so comic books have always mirrored the culture and event of the times. I mean, it's safe to say that. Um, I was going to ask you how you came up with the idea of the podcast, but you've already answered that for us. Um, so I have another question for you. Okay. Do you think that they have become more influenced by politics over the last few years because of how politicized our world is now? Um, I I think I think there's some merit to that statement, but I think politics has always been on the forefront of uh, well, comics have always been on the forefront of, of, of politics. I mean, if you look at uh, some titles like X Men, um, there have been some allegories to the civil rights movements, the uh, the LGBTQ uh, you know communities, uh, and how uh, mutants in the Marvel universe are uh, viewed by broader society. So. Um, you know, Black Panther came out in the, the 60s uh, and uh, right around the time of the uh, civil rights movement and the Black Panther movement. So um, a lot of the social issues have been addressed in comic books um, in, in a way that I think has allowed popular culture to be ahead of our political discourse. Mm-hmm. So have you found yourself... Um some of the characters that you've covered when you do a deep dive, when you're doing your podcast, is there something that you've learned that you didn't know before you did your podcast episode or you covered them? Well, I think it, I think it depends on the writers. And I think that's one of the things that I don't know if uh, a lot of comic book fans or new comic book fans understand is that there's not just one writer for a character. There can be, you know, multiple, multiple writers for a character and they all have a different take on that character and they all have a different perspective on the, the universe that that character inhabits. And so I think if you look at, you know, who that writer is, uh, you can see a lot of what is playing in their mind uh, in the, in the stories that they create. One, uh, one fabulous run of Black Panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, it's called a nation under our feet. Uh, you know, he deals with uh, social injustice. He deals with, you know, the division of race, he deals with imperialism, he deals with, um, you know, power, uh, distribution and wealth. I mean, so a lot of those things are influenced by whoever's writing that particular character at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have one final question before I open it up to the panel. Sure. What comic book villain do you think Mitch McConnell would be? <laughs> oh, my God. I actually, I actually did an episode um, on Mitch McConnell, and it's uh, uh, it's called the McConnell who laughs. Uh, and, uh, there's there's an iteration of, of Batman in the comics. He's it's fairly new, and it's from a dark uh, universe, and it's called the uh, Batman who laughs. And it's a fusion of the Batman and the Joker. 
And so in that story, um, uh, Batman is, in, is infected by the Joker venom and he ends up wiping out the Justice League, wiping out his, uh, his Bat family and eventually seeking to take over the multiverse. And so the thing about the Batman who laughs is that he is a master ta- tactician. He is always 10 to 15 steps ahead. He's ruthless. There's literally nothing he won't do, no one he won't sacrifice to get what he wants. And that's who Mitch McConnell reminds me of. He has no permanent friends. He has no permanent enemies. Um, Whatever political expediency he needs to uh, create to get what he wants or to block what he wants, he will do. Um, And so as as much as I um, have a personal disdain for Mitch McConnell, I have to give him some grudging respect as one of the great political tacticians of our time. So he is definitely the Batman who laughs. Um, and so, yeah, if you guys get a chance, uh, go listen to that episode. I think it'll, it'll explain a little bit more in detail. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. Okay, actually, one more question before I let Okay. You. Okay, so based on our current politics right now, if you could pick any political figure that fits all the criteria of your definition of a true superhero, who, it, who would it be and who would you choose and why? Um, wow, that's, that's, that's an interesting question. There, there are a lot of people out there doing some, some great work, but I think in terms of longevity and success, I got to go with Madam Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, because um, if you look at the success of holding together a caucus through ups and downs, through, you know, bad, uh, you know, bad elections and good elections, um, you know, I think about Paul Ryan, uh, who was Speaker of the House. I speak. I think about um, um, you know previous speakers of the House and how they struggled to hold their John Boehner struggled to hold together their caucus. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has never lost the vote. She has never had to pull a vote from the floor because she didn't have the votes to go forward. She has been uh, exemplary as Speaker in her in her multiple terms as Speaker of the House and. Um, she's passed some of the, you know, most progressive, um, largest, you know, legislation in the history of this country. Um, some of this recently, uh, you know, we haven't had as much success. It hasn't been as much success in the Senate. But if I talk about who has been consistently powerful um, over my lifetime of following politics, it's been Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. Oh, great answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me open it up to the panel. Let's start with you, Ian. Any questions for Michael? Uh, yes. Hi, Michael. Um, I was wondering, there was, a, uh, was there a particular comic storyline that got you thinking about doing this podcast as far as like a political mirroring? Or It's, it's funny. Um, I actually, um, there was a run in Superman where Lex Luthor actually becomes president. And, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and someone said to me, um, I can't believe um, when Donald Trump was elected president, I can't believe that we elected this, you know, smarmy billionaire to become, you know, president. And I said, hey, well, it's there's there's comic book precedent for it. And I went into the story of how Lex Luthor was a, elected president. And I think I wrapped it up by saying, uh, you know, at least Lex had the uh, ethical. Uh, he was at least ethical enough to divest from LexCorp because he was worried about emoluments. <laughs> and I said, you know, imagine Donald Trump being less ethical than a comic book supervillain. So, <laughs> so um, you know, at that point, I think, every, you know, uh, the group that I was speaking to said, hey, man, that's a pretty interesting uh, uh, way to look at things. And so that kind of drove me 
uh, to do this. And I realized there was so much content and connections between politics and comic books that there's just an endless amount of content to produce. That's awesome. Thank you. Have you, like, has there been a character or characters that have like really shifted politically over time? Like, I know, like the Civil War run, people kind of thought like, oh, some people on some side were more conservative versus more liberal, yeah. and then but then it kind of keeps, you know, as you said, it depends who's writing it. But has there been like a consistent like, oh, X character started out such and such a way and has really evolved into being more liberal, more conservative, more neutral, which whatever. I, I think um, the the surprising character that is ultra liberal that you probably wouldn't expect is Oliver Queen, mm-hmm. um, Green Arrow. He's extremely, extremely progressive. And I think uh, when we look at the fact of, you know, how normally billionaires are portrayed in comics, or in, in, in reality, it's been that there are these ultra conservative, uh, captains of industry who are, you know, you know, super, um, you know, capitalist. But Oliver Queen has been, uh, a, you know, con, you know, a progressive stalwart in, in the comics. And I think, um, you know, most people think of, you know, Batman as some, you know, libertarian type, you know, anti, anti government side. But, uh, I think consistently, um, Comics have portrayed uh, billionaires is is pretty progressive. I mean, um, there have been some iterations of Tony Stark um, that have uh, you know been more on the progressive side, but um, I think Oliver Queen has been the been the character that I think has shown from a political standpoint um, to be uh, you know the most surprising about what people would expect from their politics. Joe. Um. Uh, Mike Foster, thanks for coming on National Superhero Absolutely. Day. So I think that that's easy. Yes. Uh, yes. I agree with you on Oliver Queen, by the way. I thought the, the, the Benson sisters run on it was really, was really good with, yeah. with the, saying what you're, what you're talking about, especially the change, uh, which is what I want, what I wanted to talk about because, um, like, I don't know how old you are, but I'm old enough to have been beaten up for, as a kid for reading comics, <laughs> you know, when, when you were a nerd about it. But even then, um, comics was still, uh, yeah. you know, they were still touching on social issues and stuff like that. You know, you talk about the Green Arrow and Green Lantern run, you know, with the d- drugs and things like that. And mm-hmm. but where where do you think where was the point? Where was the tipping point where it was like now, like that guy that was beating me up in high school now has like a Captain America tattoo, and I kind of point and laugh at him. But like, what was the tipping point that was like <laughs> comics can now be a voice that that people can get behind? I, I think it had to be the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight, Dark Knight movies. I think that's when people finally started to say, even even I think Marvel out of the gate with even the stumbles with the Hulk and um, you know I think even with Marvel started to influence Iron Man was so good that I think it drew in the uh, casual comic fan. But I think if you wanted, if you really wanted to say what the tipping point was, it was that Dark Knight series. Uh, and I think that's where um, broader society said, you know, damn, that's that's pretty good. Like those those things are pretty good. And it touched on things like, um, you know, hero worship. And it talked about how uh, society elevates and tears down. It talks about the misunderstanding of of, uh, of certain characters and certain groups. It talks about you know, mental health. It, 
I mean, there were so many interwoven uh, themes in that series. And I mean, um, you know, shout, shout out to Heath Ledger, um, you know, posthumously Heath Ledger, but his uh, original um, re-imaging of the Joker, I think reset the table for, for not just comic books, but film in general. Like that performance was so good and so uh, spot on about the, um, the, the heart of the character and, and who the Joker is. Um, I think it kind of reset the table and I think it made it comfortable for, 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 for non-comic book um, consumers to get in there and under, try to understand that. And I mean, you know, far be it from us to be gatekeepers, the more, the more, the more nerds we can uh, create, the better. Um, and, you know, for the record, I'm, I'm 50 years old. So um, I've, I've been around a long time. Yeah. You were getting beat up right with me. I got to agree with you on Heath Ledger. I think that that Joker was the first time that we saw a movie character, movie comic book character that went beyond yeah. what the comics did. So I have Certainly, to agree with absolutely. you on that. Absolutely. So I think we have one final question. Go ahead, Danny. Um, I don't know. I happened to run across this comic, you know, by chance a few years back. And when I started reading it, I'm like, whoa, kids with special powers, their parents are like evil members of, you know, this organization called the pride. Ooh, yeah. pretty good. United's Marvel Runaways. The Runaways um, yeah. So I'm glad it actually got developed into a TV series, which I think is so underrated. A friend of mine actually is, um, plays Catherine, you know, um, on the show. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, so my question to you is, are there any other comic books out there that you think, you know, people have uh, are under the radar that if they were to be made into like even a movie or a TV mm-hmm. series that people would appreciate it more like a lot of people do with Marvel Runaways? Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I think there, there, there are a few out there, but I think um, I, I, I do think we are on the edge of you know, saturation right now. I mean, there's, there's so much content on, I mean, good God, man, they're making a live action Powerpuff Girls. Um, You know, I love, (laughs) I love that idea, but I think what we need to really focus on is the expansion of some of the current franchises like um, Titans. Titans is a great show. And I think it has an opportunity to bring in some characters that I, that I think uh, typically people don't think of. Like I know, like Calderon, who is the Aquaman, Aqualad um, character. I think that would be great to see on screen. Uh, but I think if there was another adaptation um, that I would love to see on screen, it would have to be X twenty three. I think at the end of Logan, that was such a powerful moment. Her burying Logan at the end of the movie, and then her in her own right uh, coming coming to her own. I would love to see them explore x23 in our own movie good choice yeah why oh we have chris go ahead real quick i gotta ask because i feel like yeah. you 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 left somebody out because you were talking about like you had joe asked like what you think kind of created it or made it cool to be in comic books and into it and like the movies and stuff like that but like you left out Blade. Blade was like the literally that was like the drop see, in the ocean that made the sharks come to the water. Because yes, see, you see, there weren't very many see, successful movies, but Blade was a successful franchise as a Marvel. See, movie. you you see, you think I left out Blade, man? But I, <laughs> I, I I don't want to I don't want to jinx Blade because Marisher Ali is coming, and I think that reboot of Blade is going to be 
epic, but you're absolutely yeah. right. I think in terms of characters of color, um, yes. without Blade, I think, you know, we don't have Anthony Mackie right now as Captain America. I think we don't get as as long as you know there was a chance um, uh, you know for you know to bring Black Black Panther to the screen. Wesley Snipes tried for decades uh, and couldn't make it happen. I think you know once he decided that he was going to take on Blade, they saw the studio saw that you could you could create a successful character of color that could carry a franchise of movies. Yeah, I mean Blade Trinity was a little dubious, but. Yeah, we won't talk about that. We'll leave that out. But the first two blades, I mean, you're absolutely right, man. And I think that um I think that set the stage for a lot of people um who normally didn't see representation on the screen to come to come to the comic book movies. And so um, you know, on my podcast I talk about that. I talk about how important it is for young people, you know, blurs, black nerds like myself. Um to, to see those images of people uh, that look like them. And, you know, and now with Falcon and uh, the Winter Soldier having, you know, um, Anthony Mackie become Cap- the Captain America, I think this is, uh, you know, a big time for everybody. And I think the comic world is a place where you can finally have representation um, and it be done in a way that is not offensive to anybody. I mean, and you're always going to have those who are offended, but, if you can't imagine uh, diversity in a, in a fictional world, then, you know, we're going to struggle as a society. Facts. Hey, hey, and don't, don't be knocking on Blade Trinity. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have Deadpool. So, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I was so hoping that Ryan Reynolds was going to come to some agreement to come back as Green Lantern in the Snyder Cut. That would have been, been the greatest thing I've ever seen, man. Like, I would have been like floored if, if he just showed up, but uh, um, you're right. Ryan Reynolds is, uh, has been consistently uh, in the comic book world. One of the most you know consistent actors of the time. And um, what he's done with Deadpool has been, has been awesome, man. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Um, let our audience know how often do you release the superhero politics episodes? So generally it's uh, twice a month. So, um, you know, sometimes if, if there's a subject that happens that inspires me to, to, to get in or something that I'm reading, it may be a little bit more frequently than that, but generally twice a month. And, you know, I, um, you know, I just, you know, kind of let the, the new content come out and give myself time to absorb it. And then also, you know, unfortunately I have to watch the news and, um, you know, see what's happening there so I can, you know, make those connections. But, um, you know, so twice a month, you know, check everywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts and you'll find us. Well, thanks again. And we'd love to have you back on anytime. Absolutely. Yeah, please Thank come back. Especially when Black Widow comes out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be great. Uh, and, I, and um, you know, Wonder Woman 84 was... Uh, but, uh, rough. Yeah. That was a rough ride. <laughs> yes. And as much as I love Gal Gadot, uh, you know, uh, I'm... Black, Black Widow's got some uh, redemption to, to do there, so uh, looking forward to it, yeah. Well, next time we talk about superheroes and DC movies and whatnot, I will definitely reach out to you. We'd love to have you back if you're available. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, thank you, Michael. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Michael. Bye. So everyone
Every week, the panel on TMI Daily shares its opinion on a wide range of topics, from politics to celebrities to pop culture. But very rarely do we try helping people with their everyday lives. For mm-hmm. that and tonight, we've gathered some actual questions from online advice columns so that we can give the kind of expert advice you'd expect from out-of-work actors and writers who do a podcast in a segment we call Dear TMI Daily. So let's start with our first question. Our first question comes from, am I the avoidance one? And this person writes, Dear TMI Daily, I recently went through a mental health crisis triggered by burnout, then a breakup, both right before lockdown. I feel good now. And I know a big part of what got me here is what is having consistently done the work to honor my inconvenient feelings over the past half decade. As the dust settles, I'm wondering, is it okay for me to categorically state that I will never again bind my life to someone who hasn't been through therapy? So how can we help this person? Who wants- Did Ian write this? <laughs> no, he said before Before lockdown. Oh, Ian! Oh, Ian left. just left. <laughs> oh, he's back. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> For some reason, I want to start with Chris. Go ahead. Uh, well, let me tell you something. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be, let me try not to be messy here. Uh, <laughs> as a person who's dealt with somebody who needs therapy and should go therapy and is probably not going to get better until said they have said therapy, um, you're absolutely right. Like, look, <clears throat> We're not, we're not, uh, those of us who didn't go into the medical field to become therapists or psychologists, we're not equipped to handle people's problems that they have deep down inside from years ago or from previous baggage that they have in previous relationships. And here's the thing. If this person is not willing to grow or change and stuff like that, then you're never going to make them happy because you're not equipped to make them happy because they need a therapist and not a lover. So no, do not date anybody that hasn't, that has a real, if they don't realize they have an issue, that's one thing. But if they realize it and they still do not do anything about it, run the fuck away because that is the biggest red flag. Because if they know they have a problem and they don't give a fuck, then that means they don't give a fuck about you either. Great. Yeah. Pete. Well, I can honestly say that prior to uh, meeting my lovely wife, Veronica, um, that I was in a very unhealthy relationship. Um, and somewhere near the end of it, I did go into therapy and I realized that that it, she was the devil. Um, and, 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 that, and that my problem was that I, I apparently thought that I deserved the devil in my life. Yeah. Um, and by going through therapy, I actually was able to realize that I probably deserved better. And if it wasn't for that, I probably would have never met Veronica. So so avoidance. Definitely, uh, you know, ask ask whoever you date that if they've been through therapy. And if they haven't been, you should run away from them. And and there's an old joke that says two kids are uh, on a wall, and one of them says to the other kid, you know, um, tomorrow I have to go to see my my therapist. And the other kid says, you go to a therapist? You must be crazy. Um, so don't worry, it's it's fine now. Just do it. It's good. Yes, listen to Peter, and you can end up with someone like this right now. Yeah, all of that. Wait, Debbie, could you show them that the uh, the outfit you're wearing today? Yeah, please. please. No. It's a whole thing. Guys. sister. Work that runway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
you don't need to necessarily write them off if they haven't been in, but if they write off the idea of therapy, if they say like, Oh, I haven't, no, I haven't been to therapy. I haven't felt like I needed it, but I still think it's a good idea. And maybe it's something I need in the future. That's, that's fine. You know, because some people either they don't really have a problem or they don't realize it right away, but they're still open to the idea. If you know, they are going to be like, Oh, therapy is for wimps or for weak people, all that kind of terrible thinking. Now running, running for the hills from that. <laughs> okay. And Joe, what's your advice? Um, you can't expect somebody to love and care for you if they don't love and care for themselves. And if they don't want to go to therapy, to me, that's in a way of saying that they, that they don't love or care for themselves in that way. If they're trying to deny it now, if they don't know they're going to go to therapy, uh, that's a whole different story. You know, of course, you know, like I said, like what Pete Pete said earlier about the two good kids, uh, I'm going to give you my favorite pickup line is you walk up to somebody that you're really interested in, you say, did it hurt? And they'll say what? And I'm like, when you broke through the crust of the earth to escape the seventh level of hell, you demon. Um, <laughs> that usually works. <laughs> That's so much better than my old pickup line. Hey, baby, how'd you like me to punch you right in the face? That never worked out. Never nice, ever worked out. Yeah, nice shoes want to fuck. Surprisingly, not that big a getter. <laughs> Oh, small boy piece of advice to this guy. Uh, if you meet a person, they're on meds, and you're dating them, and they decide to get off their meds, run for the fucking border, because that person is going to turn into a demon real quick. <laughs> That's very personal. They're not going to be the same person that you met on the meds. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So our next question comes from so-called Papa. Dear TMI Daily, I'm pregnant. It's so marvelous. I'm a femme-identified cis woman, and I'm married to a somewhat butchier cis woman who is the greatest human who has ever lived. That being said, can I please be a femme-nursing person who goes by Papa? Or is this request rooted in sexist assumptions about male parenting roles that I should be working to abolish rather than uphold? So what advice do we have for her? Ian. Find something better to do with your time. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing. That's all I got. Next question. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you you have a fucking baby to raise? (laughs) Seriously. If it takes you more than one sentence to describe what you are, you're way... No, no, seriously. If it takes you more than one sentence to describe what you are, then you really are t- taking too much time wondering about Cause, it. Because the pregnant woman wants to be called Papa, is that how Yeah, I she wants question? to be called Papa. Yeah. Okay, then call yourself Papa. Who fucking cares? Right. Thank you. But Papa, don't I preach. I mean, I love yeah, it when you call me Big sure Papa. She, she loves it when you call her Big Papa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my thing about it too, if you're, if, uh, and I'm not, and, and this is just my thing about it is, if you're two women in a relationship, why are you still trying to make one person a male head and the other person a female head? Like y'all, especially just when they're both, they're both cis, are. they're both cis women. So that's what I'm saying. Just, but just you're live saying with you it. want to be Papa. That's that's a male, that's a male nomenclature for men. 
You're not the king. To be a man. Well, well, Chris, she forgot to mention that she also stopped do- taking her meds right before she wrote the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, 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 that explains explains a lot. You usually have to go off meds when you're pregnant. So. Oh, my God. You have to go off meds when you're pregnant. So, you know what? They- I think I had um had a great response to that. So good advice, Ian. So I think yeah. on to our final one. I think it's overthinking. I agree. Yeah. I don't uh, I, first I don't understand the question, I don't think, and then I'm not sure why she's asking it either. I'm right there with you, Carrie. I have no idea. It's, I it's the, it's so. the arrested development, Jessica Walter thing. I don't understand the question and I refuse to respond to it. <laughs> So our final question comes from feeling violated. Dear my Daily. Wait, hold on, hang on, stop it. Are these real people? These no. are real. These are one hundred percent real, real um, questions that were sent to different uh, online advice columns. They're, I mean, now, whether or not they're actually true has nothing to do with us. They went to the online advice columns, and we're using them. We're not claiming that they're true, but they are real. Based okay. on, you know, Fair. they're all questions. Okay. It's like penthouse letters. Yeah. yeah. We're actually well, saying Dear TMI to... Daily, I never our... thought it would happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> our final question comes from feeling violated. Dear TMI Daily, I work in a small office of about a dozen people. We often work late hours, and I usually leave a couple of sets of gym clothing in my desk. Last Friday, I wanted to take some of my used clothing home after a busy week and noticed that all my used underwear was missing. I know I did not misplace three sets, and lots of people have been working on a big project all week. How do I bring up the subject of theft? There are several people who have access to my desk and a couple of people who I suspect. What? But before you go to anybody, I just love the fact that Joe had his hands up before he even finished the question. So <laughs> he would say, "Was all he was laser focused on it." I'm, I'm going to start with you, Joe. Please. I, I, I want to. How do I bring up the question of why you put your dirty stank underwear in the drawers <laughs> and taking it home every and day? And it there, yeah, group. Yeah, got a bag to bring them back out. Why are you putting sweaty stank underpants? in a drawer and then obviously there's more than one so you've been doing this for a few days so maybe they didn't steal the underwear because they're pervs maybe they took the underwear out because your desk stank there you go oh my god yeah. that's so disgusting can you imagine you get fired and then someone else gets that desk and they open up that bottom drawer and it smells like your sweaty stank oh my gosh that is so disrespectful take the sweaty stank gym clothes home with you matter of fact when you're done Leave that bag in the car or whatnot, or put it somewhere like like away from from the twelve other people you work with. All right, do that respect, y'all. Now, can you imagine that desk must smell like? Smell oh like- my god! Yeah, she's got you know, more than one day's worth in there. You know, somebody like- corn chips. In. Somebody must have walked into the office and said, "Did they just no, open up a seafood one. restaurant around here?" Seriously, no, 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 it's, it's sweat no. and. and- Poop and all sorts of stuff could be in that thing. I mean, ah. Ah. Wow, this is going in a direction. I mean, work, working in an office environment myself, it's if it's a shared space. Don't leave anything there that other you don't want people to touch. I sometimes come to my desk and I find certain things move, but I left them there. It's nothing valuable. I'm okay with. But everyone should have their own private space with their own key. You know, you sh- you should have left it there. But the bigger question is, why are you leaving your, you know, dirty, nasty, skanky chonies 
you know, in a public setting. Like, ew, come on. Chris. Um, well, first off, I agree with everything that Joe and Daddy said. You shouldn't be leaving your shit there. And if you are going to leave it there, uh, don't leave it in the gym bag because that's just disgusting. It's called kind of mold and shit like that. It's going to form from like your sweat and the moisture and from under cheese and ball sweat and asshole sweat. Like, stop it, sir. If you're going to leave it, leave it at least okay. in a plastic bag and wrap that shit up. Secondly, nobody's still in your underwear. The janitor probably threw that shit away because people were probably complaining because the whole office smelled like ball sweat. Uh, thirdly, if... Oh, it's a woman, Chris, who wrote the letter. I was just going to say, I thought it was a woman. No, no, it's I it was a woman. Like, it's a man. Hey, doesn't you know what? Chris doesn't judge. Doesn't matter. <laughs> maybe maybe say, she was I a cis woman. A because usually men do some nasty shit like that because that's <laughs> nasty. Uh, yeah, women wouldn't steal it. Men might steal it. Third, men might steal women's underwear, but women yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, you women At the end of the day, man or woman, if you come back to your desk and the the, the your underwear are gone, you got to take that on the chin. You don't want to bring that up. You don't want to put that out there to the office that you leaving your sweaty ass underwear in a drawer. First of all, you're gonna feel out how much of a nasty ass bitch you are. Secondly. <laughs> That person that you put on Front Street when you embarrass them talking about your dirty ass drawers that are being stolen, they're probably going to shoot up the place. So just buy new panties or stop leaving the shit in your goddamn desk, you nasty ass bitch. How about that? How about that? How about just that? Oh my God. Boom. This is the kind of advice we were expecting. Yeah. <laughs> we should just wrap it up now. We should have just said it there, but yeah. you know, have to say. Um, I had two options for you. Um, clothesline? Put one up? cubicle just a couple pins you know just to, you know then you know where they're at um, washboard washing their panties yeah, exactly just a little bucket you know and the other thing i was thinking um uh drawer for a pin drawer full of panties bear trap at the bottom <laughs> yeah, you got the culprit right there like that that's right and elizabeth <laughs> well yeah i'm slightly confused by her logic of yeah, bring the gym clothes to work. That makes sense to me. And then you change, go to the gym. Is, is it only the gym undies that are being stolen, or is it like the work in the in the question? Okay, because that raises that like. But then, why do you leave your dirty clothes at work anyway? Too, you gotta. Okay, yeah, it's really it is uh, raises a lot more questions than it Your answers. Questions I are more like logistical in nature. Yeah, the logistics of it are kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's it's a weird thing and part of but like it's such a small office there's doesn't sound like there's like an HR you could go to about the theft. And besides HRs are there to protect the company, not you. So the HR would probably be like, Why are you leaving your nasty so underwear? Right. <laughs> like that's that. not what your office desk is for, uh, Cheryl. You're supposed to take that shit home with you. Unsafe, so yeah. it's unsafe and weird. Yeah, uh, I would say exactly what Chris said, you guess. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I in college in the apartment building I lived in, someone was stealing undies from the laundry room, and you just had to be vigilant and go get your stuff as soon as you were done with the dryer. You know, uh, it's not cool, but uh, it's this is a weird setting. Well, with, let like, me tell you the answer to that though, um, because I found out that you can buy online those dye packs that they put in money, like the bank right. puts in you money. You just do that, and <laughs> so all you got to do if, if they're taking your underwear from the laundry room. Uh, put a nice little stack over there and put the dye pack in the middle of it. And you will find yeah. out really quickly 
Who has been taking your underwear? And I'll that's guarantee less, that. It's <laughs> dangerous because there's always food theft in offices, and there's been stories like where people put something like spicy or gross or something like that, and it made the culprit sick, but then the culprit turned around and like sued the person whose food they were stealing. So it was like, is it that worth it to keep your sandwich? I mean, yes, but also no. <laughs> also, too, imagine having to explain to somebody you got fucking fired because you left your dirty ass panties in the fucking desk <laughs> and fucked up the office. Like, explain that. How are you going to explain that? But like, yeah. that's how you lost the job. Like, what do you what do you say? There's a gap on your resume. Care to explain? Well, <laughs> I like to work out, but yeah, all, I'm into fitness. <laughs> I mean, this this if this person was stealing the underwear as a perv, you've now given them like a way to sneak out because you can they, that guy can even say, "Hey, I didn't take them because I'm a perv. I'm taking them because there was this yeah. stank and we wanted to get rid of it." And now you're stuck, and now you're the one getting fired, and he still gets to keep your dirty panties. Yeah. So this is Wait, a real I'm... question, and you guys are not sending some sort of subliminal message to Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Ian no. Hey, hey. I don't work out. <laughs> You've only gone walking once. <laughs> and it sucks. It was like 10 minutes. And it was got, caught, got attacked by a coyote. So It was like it. 70 degrees out. <laughs> well, that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much for your advice. And thank you so much for watching. We'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Bye, everyone. Have a good night and stay safe. Bye. Wash your damn underwear. <laughs> Don't put it in your bottom.